Greetings and welcome to the Mount Rushmore podcast. My name is Jeff and I'm joined as always by my good buddies, Richard. What happened there, Jeff? (laughs) Automator on the fader, working the ones and twos, is Jeff Hopkins. (laughs) Richard and Michael, we're glitching, so I can't tell who's saying what went. Maybe we'll get better. All right. Uh, Richard and Michael debate and deliberate the most ubiquitous aspects of a variety of topics. And this time around, it's really fun. Which one was it to whoever chose it? Uh, hands up. Who likes me? Uh, there you go. There's that music. Uh, it was my choice. And um, so this is the Mount Rushmore of Pixar shorts. Uh, and I came up with it because my son has just started the first grade. And uh, for whatever reason, he's really... I kind of fallen back on some sort of like comfort TV, comfort movies, comfort programming. I think first grade has been kind of a big, big change from kindergarten. And he's just been watching like Toy Story over and over, all these different iterations of Toy Story, one through four. And um, Pixar is such an interesting and uh, diverse animation studio. And you watch the first Toy Story and boy, is it rough in terms of the animation style, you know, it's very 1995 or 1994. I know they started it even further back and to watch the difference between the animation in number one and then the animation number four, you're like CGI animation, digital animation has come, just has these huge leaps and bounds and Pixar is so good, not only on that aspect of it, of making things look, so completely different and revolutionary visually, but they're just masterful storytellers. And they're so good, not just on like the long form, but on their more experimental short form, you know, animation too. And I thought, wow, you know, to talk about Pixar, it's like, okay, if you're going to pick the top four, the most interesting or however you want to define it, Mount Rushmore of like, um, uh, you know, full length features, there's still only 27 of of them. And, you know, a third of them are sequels in some regard, you know, not that they're not all good on their own, but like, they've always been good at putting out these little shorts that range from like their very first ones to that are kind of like on that same sort of toy story animation wise, eh, not so great, but to something that are just so visually interesting, whether they, use voice talent or not they're so good and i thought oh this this it's so wide and so broad that it would be a good uh good topic so i've watched i've been watching a lot of like shorts and a lot of pixar and a lot of stuff lately because of my son um and i thought hey let's let's abuse that relationship and turn it into a podcast (laughs) the way that everybody does i love it i love it all right michael picked it Richard starts. What's your first one, Richard? All right. My first one is the first one, at least. Um, the first one that was uh, the first one that was shown before a Pixar movie, and that would be Luxo Jr. Mm, super. Um, the And it's kind of the... I don't know that it's the... But as we talk about on the show, we're not always going for the four best or the four great kind of most... Yeah. representative or the four that kind of say something about it this is the first one this just came out before toy this was played before toy story 2 
this was the first kind of short and it introduced the character that is now sort of ubiquitous and everyone knows as part of the Pixar logo and the I thought it deserved a place on here and I rewatched it and it's funnier than I said that it's it's certainly a crude CGI animation it still looks great but all their animate you know they're not an grounds and people and animals and all this stuff they're animating lamps which is a little bit easier to do I think probably you don't have hair to deal with I remember I was talking about hair and fur being the toughest thing to animate well you don't have to worry about that with a lamp but at the same time, you do have to find a way in the animation to sort of bring humanistic characteristics and and to to these inanimate objects. It does a lot of the time, and this was sort of an early example of that. Kind of, you know, you can draw a through line between this and something like Wally, where you're trying to take as human and lifelike and and lovable as possible. And there, and the general story, if you don't remember it, was is just basically a dad lamp and a kid lamp, all. And the dad is just sort of, you get the sense that he's the kid is of of work to deal with, but the kid is just on then the ball deflates, then he gets really sad and walks away, and then comes back. Well, he starts playing with, and the dad just sort of shakes his head. And that's it. That's the entire short of the Pixar shorts. But I think it's a show you can see the Pixar animators sort of grappling with the bring life to lifeless objects, inanimate objects. It's, It's important for that standpoint. I think it's worth celebrating and discussing. I think the uh, lamp itself has this certain sort of like uh, armature kind of like uh, ability to be moved around. It's something that can easily be moved, almost animated on a desk before it's actually animated within a computer, kind of like a, you know, kind of like a a figure, like a wooden uh, figure thing. Um, Mm -hmm. And it just the sheer fact that the light bulb of it kind of can turn into an eye and the body of it, it, it has those kind of little, moving points you could easily see how someone could see something on their um uh desk and almost have like a conversation or a relationship with this thing that is almost animalistic in the way that it bends one way or another it kind of looks almost like a an animal's leg or an arm or whatever with this little you know kind of hopping foot leg creature thing with the you know almost like the springs as a tendon or whatever um and it's just it's 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 a nice thing to see that the type of personality that the animators can put into, uh, like you said, an inanimate object that didn't you couldn't didn't necessarily think is that all that interesting. But you know, I'm looking at you, um, f- you know, floor fan. You're not doing anything <laughs> for me right now. Yeah, they don't have to really break the rules. I think of Lumiere the candlestick in Beauty and the Beast. He's a light source, but uh, in order for him to be expressive, they break the rules of, of the object. Yeah. Uh, Luxo Sr. and Jr. don't really do That's interesting. anything that a 
lamp couldn't physically do, except maybe they squash and scratch a little bit. It is interesting to me what the shorts became. The short shorts were how CGI were techniques were developed and shared out at the early versions of scientific computer conventions and things like that. But then ultimately it became, I think, a proving ground for all the artists at Pixar, but definitely directors. They're almost like the small engine planes. <laughs> right. If you can safely take this off and land it, then we'll let you do a feature down the road. But yeah, yeah it's sort of... some emotional testing grounds for these characters. Yeah, it's the experimental wing of things that maybe wouldn't make sense to, to attempt to do in a feature film. Just the budget and everything would be completely mm -hmm. out of control, but, and you, you know, on a path of something and have it not work, but if you are developing it in the concept of a short film, it's a sort of proof of concept. Yeah, absolutely makes a lot more sense. Yeah, that's an interesting observation of, I think John uh, Favreau was talking about the Pixar's early innovations in hard surface characters. So you had toys, plastic toys, lamps, and then the next step was bugs. <laughs> like, right. Bugs have like an exoskeleton. They're a little bit more <laughs> shiny and hard surface than fur, which you're right. It was like a freaking nightmare. Yeah. All right, let's do it. Uh, Michael, what's your first? Um. I don't, I don't have any particular order for these, so I'm just going down my list of how I made it. And uh, my first choice is a kind of extension of the Toy Story universe. It was a short little film called Small Fry. And this was about, uh, uh, I guess it was like the Bonnie character, the kind of the new owner of the Toy Story toys, going to like a fast food restaurant and uh, coming home with... Uh, smaller version of Buzz Lightyear, but Buzz actually, uh, this little small Buzz actually kind of replaces and traps the regular Buzz uh, so he can go home and get played with. And he tries to convince all the toys that he's actually the real Buzz that shrunk down and no one believes him. Uh, meanwhile, Buzz is stuck at this, um, you know, fast food restaurant. I don't know what it's called. It's like, it's like a Burger King type place. Mm -hmm. And he gets kind of... Uh, enrolled in this like a more emotional support group for all these other useless <laughs> yeah. like uh, fast food toys and what i liked about this one was just this dichotomy of uh you know this crazy little buzz running around the playroom or the, the room at home and then buzz Lightyear trying to convince these other little toys that he's worthy and he's not like them but i think what was really great about this is it really just kind of expands this um kind of toy story universe to think about these things that there are just literal toys everywhere in the world there's little things that your kid plays with and my son has this even at home has this huge box of just like we i try to everything's in bins right you know, he's got his star wars stuff in one bin he's got dinosaurs in another one. and he has this huge like little box of huge little box he's got this box of just mcdonald's toys <laughs> and they range from like Disney stuff and Pixar stuff and just all this little like plastic garbage that sometimes he just drags out and he wants to just play with this amalgamation of like weird things and it's just this the, the, the dynamic of them being in the support group of all like these real useless 
characters that have really just silly names like um, uh, uh, Super Pirate and the Kangaroo Canoe and um, Taekwondo and the Lizard Wizard, Vlad the Engineer, who's like a vampire, but also a train. <laughs> just, it's, uh, it's so funny that just this, the world is expanded that everything's a toy and everything is worthy to be played with no matter how small and garbagey and whatever and uh, a feeling of self-worth that comes out of it um, and I just I just really like that I think a lot of their little like um, short films have that aspect of being like okay well what what is a toy how are these toys important uh, to a kid and to themselves and what what are their own individual self-worth that you can have in that and um, uh, just wonderful just very very funny and very uh, very specific and i think that's that was really good yeah i agree i think the shorts allow them to dwell or at least the toy story ones um allow them to put forth characters that don't necessarily stand up to the test of heroism that uh, a woody yeah, right. has to you know they could be funny short if you don't like it don't worry it's over five minutes into <laughs> short right and I, I think they deal in irony more than the feature uh, does Ooh. irony and kind of sketch comedy and whereas the feature needs to always be pushing a theme always be uh supporting the heroics of the main character whereas the sketch they can it can be gag driven i feel yeah. like it's fun richard number two all right my second choice is from the uh finding dory and all of mine are ones that were played before movies i think for some reason the shorts I have are really tied up. They're connected to the memories of the movies that they came with. Mm. Particularly like, I think it, to some reason, some for some ways, it took away from my enjoyment of the short itself. Like, I don't have as many great memories too short or something like that versus something else. Is So they're all kind of movie-driven. Uh, my second one was played... And it is Piper. Oh yeah, and and it is just also on my list. Is it? Yeah. It's absolutely gorgeous. It might be pretty of all of the the Pixar in preparing for this. Um, you know, it really. And I, someone said it's more like watching your favorite scene from a nature you got to watch this scene it's kind of like watching something like that this is basically about a sandpiper baby sandpiper who is trying to learn hunt for clams or yeah i think that's their clams and in the water and gets knocked over by a wave and gets really scared and has to try and overcome by overcoming it, learns kind of a new technique for hunting that winds up higher flock able to hunt more efficiently. And it's not it's not super plot driven, and that's one of the things. There tends to be either shorts that have a wedged into five minutes, five six minutes. Or they tend to be more kind of and sort of 
telling almost like tone bones. And this one definitely falls into the latter category. But just, you know, in, in, in the Luxo Jr., just sort of the issues they have with fur and, and hair. And I would imagine feathers would go into that as well. You know, when the birds get wet, the feathers get really kind of molted and, and kind of over the place and gets really puffy and, and weird looking. And they're able to, and that's not something that they would have even have attempted to do. Certainly not 10 years before that. And it, it just shows, I think, that the that CGI animation has, has gained it's just getting better and better and better. Uh, all very good points. I mean, I chose it for a lot of the same reasons, especially that last thing that you mentioned where, you know, this was a, like you said, attached to Finding Dory, which the very first one, you know, Finding Nemo was like, wow, look at how they can do water and underwater and capture the movement of water so effortlessly and beautifully. And then you see this Piper film that came out maybe 10 years later, not even that, this little film in front of Finding Dory and the way that they capture waves and the movement of water and the movement of everything. It looks, it looks like a cartoon, but it looks realistic at the same time in a way that it's that kind of, um, Oh, what do they call it? That kind of uncanny Valley. Uh, yeah, it's, it's neither real nor is it fake and it's, but you're attracted to it in the way that they've captured this movement in a way that is just so unsettling is not even the right word. It's just beautiful. And you just don't like, how, how do they, how does technology, how are the people that develop the software able to do this and make it look two different ways at the same time? I think it's because they give these animals, these quasi human like behaviors. So they look birdish, they are birdish, but there's something still a little human about them or childlike in this case with a, you know, the little baby Piper bird. Uh, and then yet still it's so realistic and it's I think this is one of those films too that that really benefits from like as opposed to like small farm I the first one which is so like language driven as as much as seeing these people visually sit around and talk to each other and whatever and look interesting and have great animation you know Pixar on the especially on these shorts are so good with telling stories without language and the only language is the animation the only language is the movement or you know, the sound of the crashing waves or whatever, or chirps here and there from the birds. But like, they're so good at just like visually displaying emotion and story. And I think Piper is just one of their, just one of their best ones in that regards, because it doesn't, it doesn't require anything other than some like kind of shy and nervous looks. And then the excitement that the bird has from discovering this little clam weird worm thing that they pull out of the ocean and just the exuberance of, solving the problem and overcoming their fears it's just just wonderful yeah i agree i do think it does as a non-parent mm. uh i still love stories about the young people finding their way in the world and i do relate to parents when they have concerns about their children and how they will uh, encounter all the challenges in the world and whether they'll thrive or not and the pride that they have when they succeed and that film in a, a handful of minutes does more than 
what Inside Out did for me. There's all this. Mm. The next chapter of Pixar is it's definitely the parents and the adults um, talk, concerned about their kids and the world that's left for them, the world world that may beat them up, and it annoys the shit out. <laughs> I just I couldn't relate to Inside Out. Soul. Um, it just just too 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 many bloopy blobs worrying about the feels and what their kids were gonna feel. So, yeah, for me, it's kind no of, turning red for you. No turning red. I was like, come on, just enough, enough. My poor child. Does it the world care about my child? I don't fucking care. <laughs> so Piper, wow, yeah, was enough for me. Worse enough for me. Real quick. Man. Sorry. 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 Um, for yeah, those of right. you watching, watching the video feed, you yeah. will now see my shorts as I go of, of pets and things that we love and animals and creatures. My cat is in my bedroom and I need to let him out. So oh, I thought we were going to get your shorts. That's a good halftime. That's a good halftime break. Let the cat out for halftime. And you can salute my shorts if you would like. Salute Richard's shorts. Uh, this week's podcast is brought to you by Fruit of the Loom, uh, the choice of underwear for many men. Not in my underwear. I'm in my, sh- my, my regular shorts. Lighty Ace is worn on stage by Kyle Glass and Jack Black. And we're back. Uh, so we are at our half, but Michael's se- second was Richard's second, so we'll start with... Wait. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Me, me, me for three. Okay. Uh, my third choice is a short film called Sanjay's Super Team. And this uh, was in front of the good dinosaur. But um, there's two reasons I picked this. One, a little shout out to my good friend, Sanjay, who lives down the street, whose son is in my class with Felix and their super good friends. Uh, he directed this film and has gone on to do a bunch of um, other animated things. Um, but also visually and emotionally, this is such a wonderful little film about, I'm sorry, Jeff, a father and son connecting Boo. over, <laughs> over uh, being these two people that are on opposite sides of things that the film is about um, a boy watching TV, watching this kind of power Rangers type animated show and the father praying uh, a Hindu kind of uh, saying a prayer to uh, his little like a Hindu prayer box. So there's a television box on one side, there's this uh, Hindu prayer box on the other side with like um, Shiva and Ganesh and different, um, uh, different Hindu gods and how he is like kind of disgusted with his son's love of watching cartoons and drawing them and trying to bring him into his religion. And the son is sitting there and starts to pray and starts to transform all these little, hindu gods into these little superheroes and uh visually this thing is just so dynamic and wild um the colors in it are just so like um oh i don't even know what to word it feels like it feels like a television has exploded and like everything is kind of separated into different colors and the light spectrum and everything just wonderful visually and ultimately at the end um after within this boy's kind of dream of his superheroes and uh, within like this little box, the father kind of just kind of uh, lets go of it and allows him to watch TV again. And the 
they both kind of come together at the end and realize that they both have things to share between each other. And it's just so wonderfully beautiful done without, again, without any sort of um, language other than the language of the animation and uh, sound effects and things that um, just incredible effort. And it's just like at the end, it ends with like this real sweet picture of like Sanjay, the real person with his dad like just this really sweet just like uh oh, somehow they found a way to connect over things and um just perfect and like you know it's just that's what these shorts do they they ex i think also like like culturally they just expand what you see on screen in so many different ways and this is very specifically um hindu and just something like you just you just don't see out in the the real world or you hadn't seen i think that their disney um has uh you can call them woke but they've done such an amazing effort over the last decade plus to uh open up the door for every culture every type of person to feel like they are included and i think marvel to an extent too if you want to even expand disney's marvelness to um include a multi, multi kind of culturalism, multinationality, racially, where superheroes and uh, are represented across the board. And I think that, you know, some morons out there call it woke, it just feels like uh, Disney, I think is just very good about at some point understanding this, you can't go on having done things the way you did it in 1951. Yeah. You know, it's definitely about money too. Disney's not dumb. <laughs> and it's definitely about money too. Come on. Yeah. I, I also think they're doing it. Well, if you see on Disney plus three caballeros, the, that was oh, an sure. attempt to shine a cultural light or incorporate cultural elements from, from Mexico. And it's done in a way that feels like, a, I don't know, like a, it now it seems kind of crass but at the time it was probably crass culturally but it was still opening people's eyes to culture that they hadn't received through cinema or through animation which was really cool so yeah i think it, yeah i think that there's i think the big difference is it's not just like white guys going down to south america drawing what they see and then animating it it's getting someone from ecuador to make a film about their actual lived experience yeah and i think that's and that's that's it you're handing the keys to somebody else versus telling somebody that already has the keys to go experience it and drive back and report back what you saw mm -hmm. and like bow is well i don't know if we're going to talk about bow that's i think another example of that okay richard all right so my one is uh day and night oh. which played before toy story three boy richard we're on the same page. Also, my last pick. Also, your last pick. I yeah. love this one. Yeah. It's kind of hard. If you haven't seen it, it's kind of hard to explain. These two blobby sort of humanoid creatures. Cutouts. And one is a cutout of things that are happening in daytime. But of things that are happening at nighttime. And they can be cutouts of the same place at the same see them at different points in the day. So like if they're showing Vegas, 
the day one shows you what Vegas looks like in the day. And then the night one will walk over lights and casinos going and everything flashing. There's there's definitely also a the, the two blobby characters are just kind of like these kind of uh, 2D silhouettes over a 3D background. So like there's this wonderful kind of like two planes of existence on top of each other while you're watching like these two night and day type creatures. Like you said, these, <laughs> these huge schnozzed uh, uh, blobby creatures. But like when you see just the 2D cutout, you see it's, you know, definitely a, it's a perspective aspect of it, you know? Right. So I really was intrigued when this came out. This came up for Tour Story 3. Reminds me of the type of animation that Disney was doing. I don't know, the 40s, 30s? Mm, I agree, think yeah. about like fantasy, where it was really like trying to push the boundaries of... of yeah. And maybe it's because the in day and night music focus soundtrack, and that's basically. Uh, so maybe that got me thinking of of Fantasia and sort of this being Pixar's Fantasia in some ways. But I think there's just there are quite a few like fun little elements like comedy elements to it like when the the day one walks over laying on the beach and the and the the night one gets really excited by that good to know that <laughs> pixar characters can get horny too <laughs> you know yeah it did have a throwback to the mid-century modern animation that was coming out of some of smaller studios that that i think was actually influenced by disney but then mirrored back uh, to Disney, it was almost kind of a less artistic, less dependent on the backgrounds. There weren't like watercolor backgrounds like you could find in Bambi, but like a uh, real jazzy style. Almost feels like the kind of characters that would be drawn on a cocktail napkin. So you'd be seeing a cocktail napkin <laughs> in the 60s. Yeah. But yeah. Mm. Yeah, that was so cool. That was so fun. All right. So then, Richard, are you on to your last one? Unless Michael wants to say more about Dave. Uh, I just like, you know, the ultimately the thematic element is how these two creatures are kind of have opposing viewpoints of what they believe is the yeah. best preferred. And then they experience the other um, persons, we'll just call them other person's life and realize that, hey, well, both of us have good things, even though they're the same and uh let's move on together you know they kind of had this this nice point where things kind of cross over into like dusk or cross over into sunset or sunrise yeah and uh, they kind of experience things at the exact same moment and then kind of uh can can move on but mm -hmm. no uh like you said very uh heavily uh gag based um uh there's one that didn't make my list uh that maybe we can talk about at the very end um after you've made your your choices that um, I think they're very good on like these uh, doing things like that. Like just, I got jokes that I got to get out of there that aren't going to work on a, you know, that aren't going to work in up. Yeah. It's a throwback to the early days of short form before animation yeah. became feature animation shorts were yeah. just an assemblage of gags. Yeah. And as a, 
fan of the park, you know, that you see some of the early attractions that are just that, you know, pirates of the Caribbean. You're just haunted mansion. You're just on a mover going through gags scenarios. Yeah. Of things. Interesting. Okay. Uh, what is the last choice, Mr. Matt Freddy? All right. My last one. Maybe this is, I don't know, uh, Michael, but uh, Presto. Oh, sure. The short that played before Wally. And this is a gag a minute. Mm-hmm. Gag, you know, just, just gag after gag after gag. It's basically a magician who has a magic top hat that then connects to a that he can use to reach into and pull anything out of. Uh, we'll pull the rabbit out of the hat because the rabbit will wear the hat, the wizard's hat. And when he reaches in on through the top hat, the rabbit is off stage and he will be able to through the top hat and out into his hand. Uh, the only issue, and I, and I hadn't noticed this point before, I, when you see the rabbit desperately trying to get to this carrot that he wants to eat, it's taped to, behind him that says, feed the rabbit. And obviously, the do this. And when it's time to perform, the rabbit is his carrot. The magician gets more and more stubborn about it. So the rabbit keeps physical comedy bits with him that just sort of are sort of absurd. And it really reminds film. Chuck Jones short or something like that and that yeah. you've just got all of it's with this like impeccable timing just kind of hitting one right after the other bam 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 and it's the, just the pace is relentless and you just keep getting bit after bit and, and it just I, I know we don't always do really my favorite in terms of rewatchability Pixar shorts, I think. Yeah, that's a good one. I love the gags. I love, it. <laughs> especially when they're executed with the clockwork that animation can't afford. You could never do that with live action. <laughs> you, you need to have complete control of these things. Yeah, Michael, yeah, the timing. Yeah, the timing you're able to have with animation is different than than what you can accomplish with mm-hmm. live actors. Absolutely. I find it fascinating what a studio like Pixar does with the animation uh, shorts. And it seems like they're a training ground, but they're also another completely viable marketing tool. They can, they sell them, they have them digitally available, but it definitely, a short is so different than a feature film though. You've got to do all this stuff with a character from a feature film that you, you don't need to do with short. Like who's the, who are their parents? Nobody knows. That's sure. You don't care. But uh, definitely, it seems like a training ground for those long format ones. I think that happens too often where someone is a director of a short. They're an animator who comes up with an idea. They're able to get it worked into a short. And then that can help kind of springboard them onto uh, a further career directing something longer. If you can accomplish mm-hmm. something in a smaller format. Um, I think it allows them to be able to say like, hey, I, 
I can do this for five minutes. What if I did it for, you know, 89 minutes? Yeah. This be challenging. All right, gents. This has been fun. Discuss. Wait, we have one. Michael has one more, I think. Oh, no, no. We have, we, we split. We you split. Okay. Wow. Neither of us, neither. I'm sorry. What did you say, Richard? I said neither of us picked bow. That's surprising. Oh, yeah. That's, I think, you know, a lot of people would say that's the, the, the the ideal of a Pixar short, but I noticed it's just interesting that neither top yeah. four. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I I've been a computer animation fan for some time, and I if you would ask me what like the first Pixar shorts were, I would say teacup spinning in air, you know, or, or hand folding and unfolding. <laughs> These things yeah. were shown at science Tri uh, triangle, science. triangle sitting there. <laughs> uh yeah and that's interesting too like uh, we were talking about how real something like piper looks and i think knowing that pixar and lucasfilm were kind of the same company for a while and they were developing things like render man which is for all the animation and stuff that they do if you can't render it and make it look visually interesting it doesn't look uh we don't believe it we don't aren't invested in it so incredibly I mean, yeah, okay i have chosen boom boom Suck it. Boom. Am I doing spring? Okay. Boom. Okay. So <laughs> day and night. Piper and Sanjay's super team. So all right. That's okay. the list. That is the list. Uh Michael, you said there was a story you wanted to talk about that we didn't. Oh, just uh, kind of within the, the vein of uh, you know the gagamin thing in Presto and um, what you had mentioned, um, partly cloudy. It's one of those where it's uh, like these kind of uh, these clouds are floating in the sky and they're uh, they're sending out babies, baby animals to oh, the yeah. new world, and storks come and pick them up and take them down. And it's more about this one stork who is just besieged with having being constantly given the roughest animals to deliver whether it's a porcupine or a shark or like a crocodile and it's just getting trashed it's just getting so beat up and electrified by an eel and uh then it kind of gets to this point where the cloud that's creating them unfortunately is this he feels like uh his storks didn't care for him but the store keeps coming back and then the store gets, keeps getting like padded up and just ready just give me more and he's just like his stork is his cloud and he'll take whatever's thrown at him. And it's just, but it's the same sort of like, uh, what are we, what, how are we the stork apart and leaving like a, a plucked goose? You know? I got to watch that. That's beautiful. All right. Uh, this has been the Mount Rushmore That's of XR Shorts. Yeah. Oh, let me get that. Oh, let me get the music. This has been the Mount Rushmore of Pixar Shorts. I am always Jeff. I'm Richard. I'm Michael. Uh...